There's a saying that I've heard, uh, often attributed, perhaps incorrectly, to Mark Twain, that says, history doesn't repeat itself, but it often rhymes. The Bible often rhymes. Given the constraints of time and our limited attention spans, in corporate worship, we tend to pull a couple dozen verses out of the Bible, we read it out loud, somebody stands up here in the pulpit and preaches a sermon that focuses on that particular Bible passage. And that's all fine, it makes sense. Um, but it does a bit of a disservice to the Bible because so many of these stories are part of larger narratives. And if you read the individual parts in isolation, then you miss out on some of the larger themes and connections. So, for example, in the passage that precedes the portion that Keith just read, the writer, or writers, or editors, because we're not sure exactly how many fingerprints there are on this section of scripture, let's call them the narrator. The narrator tells us a story that rhymes. And they do that because they're setting us up for a love story. Back in Genesis 24, Abraham, so that's Jacob's grandfather, sent a trusted servant to Haran to find a wife for his son Isaac, that's Jacob's father, from among his own people. The servant stopped by a well, and he prayed to the God of Abraham beside that well, and he asked that the girl who offered to give water to his camels be the one chosen to be the wife of his master's son. And the girl who gives water to his camels is Jacob's mom, Rebekah, who's the sister of Laban. In Genesis 29, so this is the part that came just before what Keith read, when Jacob is on the last leg of his journey to Haran to find a wife for himself, he comes to a well. And while he's there, Uncle Laban's daughter Rachel arrives with her father's sheep and he gives them some water. Does that sound familiar? So there's a rhyming event here of going to a well and finding a wife. We're expecting Jacob and Leah, or Jacob and Rachel rather, to have a love story like that of Isaac and Rebekah. And Jacob even demonstrates his willingness to serve, both uh, by moving a heavy stone to give water to Rachel's flock and by serving her father for seven years time that the Bible says was like a day to him because of his love for her. But then those expectations get undermined. You see what the narrator's doing here? On his wedding night, after he's worked for seven years to win the hand of his beloved, her father, his kinsman, pulls a switcheroo. Jacob wakes up in the morning and it's the wrong woman beside him. And as an aside, like, how do you not notice that? I mean, it, so it was probably dark, and he was probably drunk, and okay, he was probably like eager, but seriously, dude, come on. <laughs> Jacob getting tricked by his uncle also rhymes with an earlier event, because Jacob tricked his own father in order to steal his older brother's blessing. So the wrong brother gets blessed, the wrong daughter gets wed, round and round we go. And there's yet another narrative facet that we miss if we read the story in isolation. Stay with me, last one I'm gonna bring in. Do you remember the story from last week? On his way to Haran, before he meets Rachel at the well, 
Jacob meets God in a dream. And God says to Jacob that he will bless him and he will bless his offspring. God reiterates the promise that had been made to Abraham and to Isaac and now again to Jacob to bless him and his offspring and to keep him wherever he goes. So narratively, we have a story about the promises of God set against a story about the promises of a human being and then woven into the center of that is this expectation of love. But then that love gets undermined by insincerity and by broken promises. Both God and Uncle Laban are positioned as figures that can provide for Jacob. God promises to bless Jacob and keep him wherever he goes. Uncle Laban welcomes Jacob into his home, giving him safety and stability in his household. And he promises Jacob his daughter Rachel as a wife in exchange for seven years of service. So God's promise is unconditional. Laban's has conditions. God's promise proves true. Laban's, eh, not so much. There's some fine print he doesn't disclose. Where God reiterates a promise that endures through generations of this family, Uncle Laban exploits his family members for his own gain. And where God, the ultimate sovereign, chooses to bless Jacob's family and from it birth a holy nation, Laban uses his authority over his daughters and over Jacob in ways that benefit him. So the story juxtaposes the nature of God with human nature. And so now you're thinking, great overview there, Connie. I feel like I'm in a literature class. What does this have to do with me? Well, one of the techniques that I was taught when reading scripture was to try and feel which character I connected with. And I have always found that it is really easy to be the nicer people. So I could picture myself as Jacob, feeling wronged or resentful when someone breaks a promise to me. Or sometimes maybe I could feel like Leah, feeling unloved or unlistened to. Or Rachel, waiting for my fate to be decided by someone else, feeling like I don't have any control over my own destiny. But the really uncomfortable question is, in what ways am I Uncle Laban? Because if we're honest with ourselves, we have more in common with the least flattering biblical characters than we like to admit. How often have I moved the goalposts for someone else because I wanted more from them than they had intended to give? How often have I stood in the way of love or tripped it up somehow or attached strings to it? Jesus said, let your yes be yes and let your no be no. But how often has my yes been yes, but? And how often have I looked through these pages and seen the promises of God shining bright and unshakable, illuminating the brittleness and the mutability of my own? And perhaps if we're really being honest, we'll realize that we see the world a lot like Uncle Laban probably does. It's easy to condemn him immediately for his dishonesty, but take a minute, ask why he might be making the choices that he does. Laban sees that Jacob is a good worker. His flocks are growing under Jacob's care. The wealth Jacob is generating seems to be worth a great deal for him. And who doesn't want to take opportunities uh, for wealth generation? 
Perhaps Uncle Laban justifies his actions to himself in unsettlingly familiar ways. After all, he marries both of his daughters to a hardworking man. He's a good provider. He's from his own people. And he scores 14 years of labor in the bargain. What a good deal. Win-win. Makes good economic sense. Except, of course, that such justifications, especially if they are, shall we say, less than transparent, can lead to lasting harm. Financial equations don't take into account the complexities of relationships and emotions, the strength of love or the social and spiritual worth of things like honesty and integrity. All of the women who end up a part of this marriage, Leah, Rachel, and later Zilpah and Bilpah, all of them are given to Jacob, given as though they are possessions by those with authority over them in their society. So these are social and economic transactions. Scripture suggests that Leah winds up starved for love, while Rachel is subsumed by jealousy for her sister's fecundity. And if you read past our passage this morning into chapter 30, you'll see that rather than recognizing and refusing to replicate the pain that their father has imposed on them, Leah and Rachel in turn take the women over whom they have been given authority, and they give their maidservants to Jacob as concubines to increase their own standing. Those who have been hurt and harmed by those with power over them use their own power over others to repeat that harm. And they hurt others in the same way. Those who have been victims of an injustice are not immune from repeating that injustice. History doesn't repeat itself, but it rhymes. As an aside, if you ever in your travels encounter someone talking about biblical marriage, as though that automatically means one man, one woman, 2.5 kids, and a white picket fence, may I advise you to use caution. This is a biblical marriage in the sense that it is a marriage that is in the Bible, but it is in no way presented to us as a healthy relationship. No one is meant to read the story and walk away thinking, oh, this is what I want for my children. What good parenting. What a good man Uncle Laban is for boosting his bottom line. So we can see in this story, and scripture is great for this, an echo of our own human failings and our own treacheries. So we see how selfishness and dishonesty poison relationships. Jacob deceives his brother and his father, his uncle deceives him, and everybody has to live with the consequences. As in this story, so it is today, round and round we go. Yet, Set against this messy, selfish picture of human nature, we have the promises of God. A God who is slow to anger and abundant in mercy. A God who blesses these imperfect people and their imperfect family, and who we still believe blesses us today. I wonder how the story would have gone if the characters had been truthful with each other. I wonder if the story would be told differently if the women in it were given voices to speak, or if the men in it listened, or even consulted them. I wonder how the world would be if our dealing with each other looked a little more like God and Jacob's promises to one another in Genesis 28, and a little less 
like Laban's self-serving economics in Genesis 29. This is a strange little story that's part of a larger story and we believe is part of our story. And so may God open our eyes to the echoes and the repeating refrains of our human nature. May God help us to be honest with ourselves about our own motivations and deceptions and perhaps flawed justifications for sin. And may God teach us anew the dance of the kingdom with its melodies of justice and integrity. And may those become the repeating refrains of history. Because gosh, wouldn't the future look really different if that was the history that repeated itself. To God be all the glory. Amen.